Hello and welcome to the Daily Booktopian for Monday, the 25th of May. My name is Nick Vasiliev and I'm the social media specialist here at Booktopia and this is a podcast of reading in the time of isolation and social distancing. Joining me today is our brand and content manager, Mark Harding. Hi, Mark. Hey, Nick. And making his debut on the Daily Booktopian podcast, Scott Whitman, our business development manager for trade books at Booktopia Publishing Services. Hi, Scott. Hi there, Nick. Lovely to be here. Awesome. So we'll dive uh, right in and talk about the books that you guys have been reading over the last week or so. And Mark, I shall throw to you first. Uh, What have you been reading in the last week or so? Uh, so loyal listeners to this podcast um, may be getting sick of, of my book recommendations because I've been, I've been on a couple of times recently. So recently I was reading uh, If It Bleeds by Stephen King, and then I was reading Ian Reid's I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And I wanted to kind of do something a little bit different today, uh, which is that I recently received a Booktopia gift voucher. And I spent it very quickly upon receiving it and extra money on top of the voucher. And so I had a box of books delivered to me uh, this morning. And uh, I, I just wanted to um, mention the titles that, uh, that I got. Um, and I'm very excited to have received, first up, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Okay. We've, now you're talking. We've been waiting for that one for a while, haven't we, fans? <laughs> Tell us about it. We certainly have. So this is um, the new Hunger Games novel. Uh, so the Hunger Games Catching Fire and Mockingjay Cable came out, I think, over 10 years ago now. And this new book uh, is not a sequel to those. It is a prequel. Uh, and it is about the establishment of the Hunger Games uh, as, a, as an event and about a young President Snow uh, and him traversing kind of the intrigues uh and politics of the establishment of the very first hunger games uh so i'm really looking forward to that something surprising about this though was i was under the impression it was a novella um and i don't know where i got that impression from but i pulled it out of the box and it's like 517 pages so i think that's almost longer than all of the other hunger games books combined Uh, (laughs) so it sounds like in the post covid 19 era we can look forward to another big blockbuster movie (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think so. I would be very surprised if they don't if they don't try and turn this into a film. But uh, oh, well, they they split Mockingjay into two, and this book is very thick, so they could they could make two movies out of this. Mm. Uh, so I'm very excited about that one. Um, the next one that that I pulled pulled out of the box is a book called The Last Astronaut by David Wellington. Uh, so this is a book from last year, I believe, um, and it's. Uh, thriller that's set in space and I'm a huge fan of the alien movies and I'm always on the lookout for something tense and claustrophobic and thrilling set in space and from what I I read um, online this seems to be uh, something that will definitely uh, scratch that itch Um, so it's about a huge alien object that has entered the solar system again you had me at huge alien object entered the solar system (laughs) (laughs) and there's one astronaut uh, who is in range and who can reach it and um, try and understand the threat that it poses uh, to humanity, which, um, according to the blurb on the back, is quite um, significant. So I'm excited to get to that. That is not 500 pages, so that's <laughs> um, The next book uh, is um, by Ian M. Banks. It's called The Player of Games, and it's from his Culture series. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Ian M. Banks was an author um, who 
sadly passed away a few years ago, but he wrote uh, literary fiction under the name Ian Banks, and then he wrote science fiction under the name Ian M. Banks. And he has written this amazing sequence of books set in what he called a post-scarcity society uh, called The Culture. Uh, and it's all about the technology, the characters, the ships, and the societies that inhabit this kind of utopian uh, future universe. Uh, so I'm very excited to get to that one. Um, then I, sorry, I'm on a, on a bit of a space jaunt at the moment. Uh, <laughs> two more space ones, and then we'll change gear. So the next one is called Children of Time uh, by Adrian Tchaikovsky, which won the Arthur C. Clarke Award last year, I think. Uh, and it's about the remnants of... Um, the human race who left the dying earth and have landed on a new planet and they're establishing a new society there. Uh, so that's that's exciting. And then the last spacey one that I'm going to mention is, I did buy a lot of books, uh, Salvation by Peter F. Hamilton. So Peter F. Hamilton is a British SF writer and he's written these massive, massive books. Uh, and I mean massive literally, as in they're thousands and thousands of pages long. Uh, these big concept sci-fi series that he's that he's quite famous for. And this is uh, a new series that he's, that he's written. I think book two is out now and book three is coming next year. Uh, but again, it's about a giant alien object <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> and it poses a threat and we have to try and resolve the threat. So uh, that's <laughs> I guess it's small wonder given what we're all living through right now that you're looking to other worlds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I've always been a huge, a huge fan of, of, of escapist fiction. So uh, yeah, obviously that, that's creeping through again. Um, and then the last two books that, that I picked up are a bit of a, a, a change of tack. So one is um, The Line of Beauty by Alan Hollinghurst. So- um, oh, He writes really beautifully. Yeah, I've never read him before. And I, I've always had this one on my radar and I just thought, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll get it this time instead of just thinking about it. But it won the Booker Prize in 2004 and apparently it's quite a beautiful novel and I really can't wait to, to get stuck into that. Um, and then the last book is um, something that's a bit of a gap in my um, book reading background as well, which is I've never read Tales of the City, uh, Tales of the City by Armistead Morgan. Oh. So I picked up that as well because I was looking for some kind of uplifting LGBT uh, stories and um, that one came highly recommended uh, on the well, forums. Well, Mark, I think that's – well, I'm not a big sci-fi guy, so I, I think that's your <laughs> pick of the bunch because I'm kind of envious of anyone who hasn't yet read that series because they've got that joy ahead of them. And there's – I've forgotten there's now about seven in the series. And I think he's got another one coming set years and years later, and they're, they're funny – they're clever. They're about relationships and friendship and acceptance. And anyone who hasn't read that uh, Tales and City series, apart from the TV series, to read the books, it's just a joy. Easy reading and, and really, really uh, very much, very enjoyable indeed. You'll love it. Oh, that's great. I can't wait to get stuck into it because it, it, I, my, my reading awareness kind of fell in between the gaps of when the books were originally published. And I wasn't kind of old enough when the TV series came out to, to watch it and understand it. But yeah. um, I think there's a new season that's come out on Netflix now. So, um, yeah. Correct. I'm, yeah. Correct. I'm looking to get a report. And I'm an, I'm an old enough old fart to have, to have uh, read them when they when the books first came out. So it just shows how much older than I, I am than you. But they're, they're really great fun. You'll, you'll enjoy them. Awesome. Oh, my God. What an awesome collection of books. I guess this kind of, you know, occasionally I get people whenever I just meet them in casual conversation and they ask the question when I tell them that I work at, a, at Booktopia, how do you manage to uh, – 
to stave off the curiosity to buy, you know, thousands and hundreds, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books? The simple answer is we don't. We yeah. just buy loads and loads of books. Unfortunately, it's it's it 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 makes the problem worse. It makes my addiction worse. It's the truth of it. Can't can't help it. <laughs> um, Scott, I'll throw it to you. Uh, what uh, what are you reading at the moment? Oh well, uh, you know, like most bibliolics, I've always got a few on the go, and I, being in lockdown, of course, I've read even more. Uh, a few in the last week or so. The one I've just finished, which has just come out recently that I thoroughly enjoyed, is called I Want You to Know We're Still Here. And it's by Esther Saffron Four, uh, as in F-O-E-R. Now, the name Saffron Four might be familiar to listeners because her son, Jonathan Saffron Four, wrote a bestseller some years ago called Everything is Illuminated, which was made into a movie. And yes. that, that was uh, inspired by the story of his family and their Jewish family and their survival in the Holocaust in a, of coming from a Ukrainian village. And he goes back to Trockenbrod uh, to try and find, you know, the, the town which was raised to the ground actually by, by the Nazis. And it's a fictionalized version of what happened to his family. He used to the story as an inspiration for that novel that became a bestseller. Well, now this book is by his mother, and this is the true story of their family and the mystery that she tried to unravel and succeeded in unraveling about what had happened to them. In fact, when she was in her 40s, her her mother revealed to her, her father having long since passed away, that her father had been married prior to his marriage to her mother and had had a wife and daughter who'd both been killed by the Nazis. And uh, Esther was flabbergasted to find out that she had had a half-sister she never knew existed and she didn't even know her name there was no photo that survived of her and she wanted to set out to find out you know how she said how do you remember someone who's left no footprint who's left no remembrances you don't even know a name and she tries to find out what her sister's name was and what had happened to her grandparents and cousins and on both sides of the family who'd been killed uh, by the Nazis in the Ukraine, and she goes back to visit the Ukraine to where they'd come from and to um, find out, you know, the family history and uh, said it's important for the younger generation to have an appreciation of where they came from by by knowing, you know, uh, what their family stories were and preserving those stories. And she, it's really like a detective, genealogical detef, detective story. Um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable, really recommend it. That sounds like a fascinating read. I um I, I've not um read her, but I, I've read Jonathan um Safranfer um uh, several times, and I've really enjoyed uh what he put out. I read a book of his a few years ago called Eating Animals, uh, which yeah. was a real yeah a, a nonfiction book because that was a real revelation um and you know changed my mind on on uh, on <laughs> meat consumption. Yeah. In fact, just this morning, I took part in the, because um, we can do this now, everything's online. There was a Zoom online launch of the book from, from the United States, from New York, and Jonathan was interviewing his mother about the book. Um, oh, this wow. is his, his first, uh, her first book. He's written, uh, I think, three books now, and uh, he's got two brothers who are in the story also. And i got to say, you get to the end of this story and you need a box of tissues by your side. But I, I, I'm a bit of an amateur genealogist for my own family, and so I, I love those you know, family history stories, and uh, this one is r really worth reading. While I'm talking a segue about family history, the next one I read is also a family history story. It's by an Australian author, Sydney-based author, named Judy Campbell, and it's called The Silver Tea Service. And Judy came to Australia uh, about 25 years ago from South Africa with her husband, and she inherited uh, 
from well, her mum ended up coming to Australia too, and her mum had this tea service that had been presented to the, her grandfather, so Judy's great grandfather, who was the mayor of a small town in South Africa in the 1880s, and it was engraved from the citizens of this town. And it had almost been thrown out over the years uh, or sold. Um, but Judy was determined, especially once her mother passed away, to find out the story of where it had come from and what had happened to her grandfather and why he'd, he'd been successful and a mayor of this town for years and then lost how he'd lost all his fortune and, and life had changed. So she goes back to South Africa, does a lot of genealogical research to uh, find out the story based on the inspiration of this tea service. But at the same time, she's working through issues she has that she didn't really ever deal with with her both her parents who passed away, um, you know, father-daughter, mother-daughter issues uh, that were unresolved that she comes to resolve in the process of tracking down her family's history, which is tied up with the Boer War and the Africana story, which I learned a lot about. I, didn't, I know oh. a little bit about the Boer War, but didn't know a lot. And that comes into the story of her great-grandfather. So uh, it's a small publisher. Um, I just came onto it because okay. I met Judy. I know her and I thought, oh, I must read this book. And it just had me fascinated. Um, again, a genealogical detective story, but this time South Africa flavor. So that's that one. Wow. What a great, what a great selection of books. Yeah, well, the third one's a little bit different. I've got one mm. more to tell you about. Um, it's a young adult or kids book, but like often with young adult and kids books, they're often wasted on kids and they're just as enjoyable <laughs> for adults to read. Um, and that's what I found with this one called Red Menace by Lois Ruby, R-U-B-Y, an American writer. And this is set in the 1950s, the McCarthyist era in the States, uh, when, you know, though everyone was terrified of the communists taking over and being persecuted for having anything to do with communism or communist ideas or perceived communist ideas. And it's a story of a, of a young boy, a 13-year-old boy named Marty Rathma, who lives in Kansas in suburban uh, Midwest. And he's studying for his bar mitzvah. He's from a Jewish family. Um, and his world's turned upside down when the FBI start to stake out his house because his parents are kind of lefty academics who were actually uh, had a professional relationship and friendship with Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, who've just been tried and convicted of spying for the Russians and uh, are going to go to the electric chair, which, of course, is true history. Most people know about the Rosenberg case. And uh, just by association because the parents knew them they're now being watched they're threatening his mother to send her back to poland because she was born there even though she's american and it's a story of the mccarthyist era from the perspective of a 13 year old boy and what he ends up being able to do to try and save his families from disaster he's obsessed with baseball there's a lot of perhaps not so much for australia but there's a lot of baseball references about the yankees and mickey mantle because that's the way he views the world but it's really what life was like in america in the early 50s in 1953 in that era and it really brings it to life lois ruby herself was just a girl in that era and so she's reminiscing i guess on her childhood and something that was so big in american political and social history at the time which i found really educational It'd be great to teach kids about the area about the era and uh, even for schools, you know, uh, school libraries. Um, but I, I love books that teach you something about history. I'm a real lover of history. And, and this one really brought that period to life. So it's Red Menace by Lois Ruby. I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by that period um, of American history. And that sounds like a really interesting um, filter to look at it through, that, that um, YA, you know, young boy kind of trying to understand McCarthyism. And, and like, it, it also feels like a very 
relevant story to be telling <laughs> in 2020 as well? Well, yes, I was actually writing a review of it for a blog myself. And I said, you know, in this day and age, it, it really it, it really resonates alarmingly in 2020. Uh, no, necess no necessity to mention any American presidents. But yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of very relevant now. But what I love about books like this is, you know, you, you tell a, a young teen or a 10, 12 year old, you know, here's a history book, you should read it. And they'll tell you to go you know where but you yeah. give them a good novel with a good story that's gripping and they learn without even realizing they're learning and it teaches without hitting them over the head with it and I think that's why books like this are great that that kids can learn about history and you know just by osmosis just from reading a, a good yarn which this was yeah it's I'm loving the the all of the the historical selections that you've had here some sort of historical it, it's it's fascinating to, to kind of you know, see where your mindset is in terms of the books that you're reading and, and what you're going for. This is really interesting. Um, well, if I if I do this more with you, I think uh, you and listeners will realise that I kind of have a penchant for history and for genealogy, um, which came through these books. But I, I mean, I do like a good thriller and I do like a, even a good romance, a bit of a sap there. But uh, I tend to lean towards historical and family stories. Um that's, that's great. things that you know bring to life other periods of history as just to say our books were such a contrast in choice <laughs> i know yeah, yeah from the sci-fi fantasy well you know you said you just got a box you haven't read i'll mention one that i haven't read that i just got that i'm looking forward to reading uh it's called the great title that's jealous demon my wretched health uh, <laughs> it's by an author named jonathan noble and uh, it's actually it happens to be one of the books that my part of Booktopia, Booktopia Publisher Services, distributes. So that's how I came onto it. Its subtitle is Disease, Death and Composers. And it's a nonfiction history book about all the famous classical composers through history and the weird and wonderful ways in which they died, what diseases <laughs> they had, what conditions, uh, what took them away from this earth and anecdotes and stories about the ends of their lives. And I, I love quirky history like that. So I think that'll be really interesting. One of those books that you can just pick up and put down and read one chapter or one composer at a time, That Jealous Demon, My Wretched Health. That sounds like an awful lot of morbid fun. <laughs> oh, well, I'm a bit weird that way. <laughs> What a great that that is I, like what a great selection of books we've already had today. I, I was just I was just going to mention this, Scott, that Mark and I both kind of we do this podcast you know on a daily basis either you know in front of like speaking here or whatever. And the only the thing that we, we, the consistent issue that we run into is that we our to be read pile just grows bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So many books to read, which is the right kind of problem to have. Well, you know, if you came to my house or if this was video <laughs> instead of podcast, you would uh, open your jaw at the piles of books in the background <laughs> in almost every room of the house except the bathroom, I think. There's just bookshelves and teetering piles everywhere. And I think that's that's the lot of biblioholics like us. You know, you can never have enough books, quite frankly. Mm. Um, they, they just keep on piling up. And I know that I'll never live long enough to read them all, but you just hope you absorb some of them. But we just love have them having them around. And like a good wardrobe of clothes, you want a choice of what to wear and put on next. You want a choice of what <laughs> book to be able to read next too. Exactly. Yeah. When my partner first moved in with me, I had the hardest time trying to convince him that a teetering pile of books counts as home decoration. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Someone sent me a little little meme this morning that I thought was so me. Uh, a friend says, how are you filling your time in lockdown? And the answer is reading. And the friend says, what if you run out of books? And the answer is 
laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to happen, not in my case. <laughs> I think yeah, I think that'll segue us quite nicely into uh, the second segment of our second section of our podcast, where we talk about what's bringing us joy uh, during this kind of period of isolation and social distancing. And I'll, I'll throw to you first, Mark, uh, for this one. Uh, what's bringing you joy at the moment, apart from buying massive boxes full of books? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about something different, um, which is uh, <laughs> something that that I, I often talk about on this podcast, which is television. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the thing that prevents me from reading the piles of books next to my bed. Uh, but I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> but um, a, a few years back, there was a movie that Taika Waititi directed uh, called What We Do in the Shadows, uh, and there's a TV <laughs> of it now. Um, Sorry. With, <laughs> a, a wonderful series, um, uh, very, very funny, about a group of vampires uh, who live in um, New Jersey. So they've relocated the story. Um, the original film took place in Wellington, um, and this one is now in, in, in America. Um, but they've got a great cast. It's very, very funny. Uh, if you're a fan of dark humor where, you know, people get murdered in brutally hilarious ways, then this really is a, a show for you. Um, there's some really funny um, character um, progression that they do that I can't really talk about without giving away spoilers, but suffice it to say that kind of the focus of the story becomes one of the vampire's familiars and um, kind of the journey that he goes on is, is very interesting in addition to being absolutely hilarious. Uh, so I highly recommend uh, the TV series, What We Do in the Shadows. That sounds I, great. What is, not, not that we're meant to be advertising uh, networks, but where is that showing, Mark? Uh, <laughs> uh, you can't remember. Cut this bit up <laughs> because I downloaded it. Oh, oh no. I I didn't mean to get you into trouble, but I thought I, I I can't remember which you know which streaming service I've seen that on. I don't think I've seen it. That would be why. But I mean, I didn't I didn't download it technically. It may be available on an Australian streaming service, but my, my husband is Canadian and he has this like elaborate setup with VPNs and stuff where we can get American um, streaming services. So it's on Hulu, which is there where... There you go. Yeah. There you uh, go. No problem. Slightly legal. <laughs> like it, I love Taiko Watiti and all the stuff he does. I'm dying, dying to get into uh, Wellington Paranormal. Um, just we watched that too. That was good. Oh, it looks like it looks like such a hoot. He's su he's a lot of fun. Um, Scott, what are what are you doing at the moment during this? Uh, this well, joy? look, I I have to uh, echo what Mark said. Of course, what's stopping me from reading is all the things I'm I'm binge watching, uh, particularly <laughs> as we're you know not going out of an evening. Um, I, I've just watched uh, Stiesel, which is a if you haven't watched, been around for a little while, but it's two seasons of a wonderful. Uh, Israeli series about an ultra-Orthodox community uh, in, in Jerusalem, uh, or, yeah, in Israel, and uh, what life's like with them. And a lot of people more recently have been watching Unorthodox, which is also fantastic, on Netflix, which is a, a, a short series, again, about an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community, but this time set in New York. Um, and now I've been watching Hollywood, which has got me gripped, uh, which is currently on, on Netflix, uh, based on the book by Scotty Bowers, who uh, tried to make it as a star when he came back from World War II in Hollywood and ended up making more money from, um, well, let's just say, y y using himself physically more than <laughs> acting, uh, 
working at a service station that provided other services on the side. Uh, it's loosely based on his story of his memoir, but it's fictionalized also with about Rock Hudson and you know lots of real life stars too. So that's very entertaining. Look, I'm really enjoying walking my dog who tried to segue to her a bit early by barking a few minutes ago. Um, <laughs> she's quite enjoying having me at home all day as we're working from home most of the time now and uh, really doesn't understand that daddy's got to work in the office when I'm just here to go for walks. But we are doing more daytime walks because of the flexibility of working from home. And uh, I'm really enjoying that opportunity to spend quality time with uh, my fur baby. Uh, and <laughs> And cooking too, you know, it's it's nice to actually have the time to try some other recipes and not just do a stir fry or a heat up something in the microwave because I'm, you know, before I would get home at 7 or 7.30 and now I'm here to do a slow cook something or other in the oven for hours or to actually put something on the stove at 5.30 so it'll be ready later, whereas when I'm arriving late from the office before uh, lockdown, you know, I, I didn't have the time once I got home to to be more experimental in the kitchen. So I, I think I'm I'm enjoying that, and I think um, you know maybe benefiting nutritionally and enjoyment wise from a few more meals because of it. So we've got to look at the positive side of this lock, lockdown, don't we? Absolutely. Yes. And and I just want to second um, second uh, uh, Hollywood as a, as a great uh, series. I really really loved that one. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you saw it, Mark, but I can't remember what it's called. There was a movie made, a, doc a full-length documentary movie about two years ago about Scotty Bowers interviewing him. He only passed away over 90 years of age about a year ago and interviewing him and his contemporaries about what it was like at the service station in the 40s and 50s and what, you know, uh, underworld, well, not underworld, what do they call it? Uh, uh, Hollywood on the lowdown was like, um, <laughs> particularly for LGBTQ uh, actors in, in that golden age of Hollywood. And that full-length documentary is really interesting and worth seeking out also. I'll definitely check that out. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so what we'd like to do is before we finish off our podcast is we'd like to shout out um, an Australian author and kind of on the theme of taking dogs for walks and dogs themselves, Mark, what is our Australian, who is our Australian author that we're shouting out today? So it's not so much an author as it is a series of books uh, and just a cultural phenomenon at the moment, which is Bluey. Uh, so Bluey uh, is the lovable uh, little dog that has won the hearts and minds of children and, let's face it, adults across the country. <laughs> and I believe it's storming the world at the moment. But uh, Bluey the Beach uh, was named as the uh, ABA Book of the Year this year. That's the Australian Book Industry um, Awards Book of the Year. Uh, so Bluey the Beach uh, is wonderful for everybody in the family. Bluey is just absolutely adorable. I, I have children who, who love Bluey, and I also love Bluey. And we've got many people on staff who love Bluey, and she's just absolutely gorgeous. So um, everybody should check out Bluey. Amen to that. It's a real phenomenon, isn't it, when a series like that takes off? Um, I, I, not having little kids myself, I didn't know about Bluey until he started to appear on our Booktopia bestseller list that, you know, we get updated every week what has been selling most from our website. And all these Bluey titles started appearing, and then I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's the latest in toddler TV. Uh, but what, what I like about it is that apart from having a blockbuster TV series that kids watch is that it translates to them wanting to read and the book yeah. tie-in 
that kids go to and they enjoy. And I think it's wonderful anything that encourages kids to to read and want to read more. And so it's obviously providing a real service, apart from a TV show, that we've got all these books that kids are reading. I think that's great. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a it's it, the messages within it as well are also incredibly positive for kids. I think it's a it's a really great series and a well deserved winner. Um, so uh, you can listen to our uh, Booktopia, daily Booktopian podcast, interviewed, uh, interviews with authors, discussion pieces, and more on our Daily Booktopian podcast website, uh, on our SoundCloud or an iTunes app, rather, um, which, you know, which you can listen to for free uh, anytime you want. Uh, thank you very much, Mark and Scott, for coming on our Daily Booktopian podcast. Um, and we'll be back tomorrow at the same time for another episode of the Daily Booktopian. Until then, keep reading and please stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.